This is Shut Up Mom, a high production, a safe space for moms by moms. Welcome back to another episode of Shut Up Mom, a production by Hype Collective. We're your hosts, Maria Dora and Bethany. And today we're so excited that Jessica Pham is joining us. She is a powerhouse advocate for women's empowerment. And we've actually been working together for a couple of years now. And Jessica has become kind of like a mom role model for me. She's like a few steps ahead in the whole like motherhood game. And so every time I'm struggling, she knows exactly what I need to hear and what I need to do. So I am super excited to have Jessica on sharing more about her journey with motherhood and also a little bit about her identity in motherhood as well. So we're going to dive right in with an icebreaker question. <laughs> Our icebreaker that we were talking about um, was, who's your favorite 90s R&B artist? Like, if you yeah. have one. No, not a problem. Um, Lauren Hill. The Miseducation yeah. of Lauren Hill is my go-to album whenever I'm feeling sad or stressed out or need to be pumped up. Um, that album is perfection. For me. So that is my go-to 90s R&B artist. Hip-hop and R&B. She's the queen of (laughs) hip-hop. Yes, obviously I chose this question for a reason because I know you a little bit. (laughs) And what's your favorite song to sing along to? Um, On that album or in general in life? Or in general. No, on that album, um, the song To Zion really meant a lot to me after I had my first son. And, you know, I'll say that because the topic is motherhood that that song is about. Um, her journey and choosing to have to choosing to have her son. Aww. That's awesome. That was so cute. What about you, Bethany? Um it's a hard one. The one that immediately came to mind wasn't necessarily one that I sing along to, but um it's always one that would like get me dancing. So whenever my sister like knows that I was feeling like low or something, she would always put on Aaliyah. Are you that somebody? It's a good one. <laughs> I am I'm like racking my brain right now. And the the song that is just coming to my mind, probably because of the stage of life I'm in, is Survivor by Destiny's Child. <laughs> thousands, but it's okay. That yeah, was okay. two thousands, right? Okay, I thought so. I thought so. But it all it has the same kind of vibe, you know? <laughs> It's a good song, nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> so great. So the 90s and 2000s get kind of lumped together. They do. Especially when you're like a younger millennial. Because mm-hmm. like, like younger millennials are like, oh yeah, like we totally relate, but we're just like a few years behind in like all of the, like, the older millennials. Not calling you old time. or anything. No. <laughs> no, I actually pride myself in being an older millennial because I, I, I think there's a very clear distinction. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, I see it. But <laughs> you see it, like, on my face, like I look like an older millennial. No, no, no it's not that. Because the conversations we have, like you definitely draw that distinction. (laughs) And I give you respect for that. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Well, we'd love to learn more about you, Jessica. So can you share a little bit more about yourself? Sure. My name is Jessica Pham. I am a mom of two boys. One is four and a half and one is almost two and a half. I have my hands full right now with two um, really adorable, smart, talkative, loud, emotional children. 
Um, and that's a lot of my life right now. Uh, but for mm-hmm. my day job, I'm a leader in a nonprofit and I've been in the nonprofit sector my entire career. And what else? Uh, I'm a second generation Vietnamese American, which is a very important part of my identity. I live in California where I spent a lot of my life, but I did spend, I grew up on the East Coast and I spent um, five years living in New York and actually just moved back to California during the pandemic. So um, I'm here in the Los Angeles area and happy to be back. And we'd love to learn more about your identity and kind of, um, yeah, like where does motherhood come into that and how do you make sure that motherhood doesn't consume every part of who you are? Yeah, that's definitely <laughs> something I'm still trying to wrestle with. You know, when I had my first son, Nico, it was an interesting and very privileged uh, time in my life. So I just finished grad school when I was pregnant, when I conceived Nico. And so I decided not to look for employment until after he was born. So he, I actually was with him for the first eight months um, of his life. And my husband had a very generous um paternity plan so and he's a professor so we had the summer off so we the first eight months of Nico's life was just like his two parents and Nico which is such I mean he's just so lucky (laughs) that's very rare that that you get that and um but he was just everything he was um during that time and I remember there was a day where I was you know I was constantly taking photos of him and so I was trying to take a selfie but using like a DSLR so I couldn't see the screen and and I was you know taking a bunch of shots and then scrolling through to see what was what were good ones and you know one of them because I'm bad at taking a selfie with a DSLR <laughs> um, it was just focused on me and he was blurred in the background and I remember that was a moment where I was like I haven't looked at myself in mm. you know 7 or 8 months I haven't been in the foreground. Um, and it was just a very visual thing that I was in the foreground, he was in the background and there, and my initial thing was like, Ooh, like a little bit of shame tied to that. And I don't know why, you know, it was just me in my room, like scrolling through pictures on my own. And it was a moment of awakening for me. And I posted that picture on, on Instagram at the time because I, and I wrote a little comment just saying like, I want this to be okay. Like I'm, mm. I'm here. It's okay for me to be in the foreground. Um, and for Nico to be in the background sometimes. And I would say that that's a good, you know, encapsulation of the journey I've been on of what does it look like to adore and celebrate my children and to really take seriously my role as a mother, but to also see myself and be seen by other people, um, both as their mother and also as a human being apart from that. Um, And what does it look like to integrate those two? So I don't think I've, you know, mastered that <laughs> but it's certainly I'm, I'm tr- something I'm, I'm continually on a journey to figure out for me um going back to work was helpful for that of having a different you know thing for my brain to sort of do um outside of you know meal planning and wiping butts and figuring out how to <laughs> you know non-aggressively raise my children <laughs> um in a non-triggered non-reactive way which takes all my energy sometimes uh but I yeah I that helps but now I'm in the season two where you know my in my job as as a leader I I also give a lot so I've also realized like that's become a lot of my identity as well and that's also not the whole of who I am right so you know at one point it was like okay I'm Nico's mother and at another point it's like okay I'm this you know director of operations for this organization and that is you know the other half of my identity and more recently I've been 
pushed and um, by a mentor of mine to see like, you know, what, what else, what else is there to you? There's more that, you know, you find joy in, there's more thoughts that you have, there's more. Um, and, and those two identities don't fully contain you and, and that's fine. So what does it look like to give room and space for those other parts of you? Wow. 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 Yes. I love that, Jessica. And I feel like this is such an important conversation to have because when do we just sit down and think about that? Like, what are the different parts of our identity? How are we defining ourselves? And then also, how do we just like let go of feeling like we need to be in any kind of box, right? Mm -hmm. Like, do we need to have just the work identity, just the mom identity? Like, how do we just be us. <laughs> you know, one thing I will say. <laughs> rhetorical question. Is that a rhetorical question or just answer it? <laughs> I will say that to your point of, you know, the boxes and whatnot, I think what has helped me, you know, there was a season in my life where I am like, I'm a reflective person. I'm a strategic person. I like journaling and writing things down and mapping things out. And you know, I think when being a mom of two little ones, and particularly during the pandemic, it's like, I just don't even have like time or energy to even like stress out about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> worrying about not having a plan or not, you know, okay. having things defined or, or worked out perfectly because I just don't have the mental energy for that. So I think that's helped. Um, but that hasn't necessarily helped me pursue other parts of my identity. It's just helped me not, you know, hyper analyze or box myself in too much. <laughs> It's such a good endeavor. Um, you were talking a little bit about like non-triggering, non-reactive parenting. Um, you just appear to be doing it all. Yeah, I don't know if there's a question there. I think I'll just go on and say, just, you know, appearance. I guess like, <laughs> but also, <laughs> you know, you're catching me on a good day and a good moment, right? I, I think <laughs> you know this would not have been me, you know, two years ago, like you mm -hmm. know, um, May 2020 per se, where I would have said that I was just in a pressure cooker of an environment. Um, I was displaced from uh, New York, living temporarily with my mom. I had an infant. I had just gotten back, gone back to work um, after having my second, doing it virtually. We were staying at my mom's house, so we literally had no space. And my husband and I were like, sh she has one desk in her, in her house, and it was in her bedroom. And, you know, we would just sort of switch off in that space. And I know Maria knows this. She was in a similar environment, you know, taking a meeting from a different room every, every um, month. And I, th I think every, sorry, every meeting. And I in that time, and I would say it was like a year and a half, really, like a year and a half oh. that was just really, really hard for me um, because I just didn't have a second. I didn't have my own space, right? Um, you know, we were sharing a room at my mom's house. There was no space for myself. There was no time for myself. I was always, you know, feeding the baby or working or, you know, <laughs> barely eating, barely showering, you know, these things. My oldest was two when we were transitioning to a, a big boy bed. And so he was just like running into the room all the Aww, time, you know, and waking up so the hard. baby. It was just, it was just really hectic and really, you know, crazy. And towards the end of that season, there was like something that just triggered me in a very small way. I don't remember what mm -hmm. it was, but I like went into a closet and just laid on the ground and like cried. I just I cried for mm. a long time and I couldn't even tell you why, except that, yeah, I had just been experiencing so much pressure and had no place to vent it. And I had, you know, sort of snapped at my partner and then like got into a closet and cried and, and then, you know, all these things. And I think that was the wake up moment for me of, you know, my 
self-care is important. <laughs> and I think I need to figure out where is there space for me to pay attention to myself. Mm. And you know what? I, I remember I remember what it is now. I, I was I was thinking and saying to my partner in our in our fight fight that we had of like, I feel like I'm taking care of everyone. And if I am not doing well, and I have seasons where I'm not doing well, I have seasons where, you know, um, I feel like my mental health is like hanging <laughs> by a thread. Um, but if I were to fall, who, who would catch me, who would take care of me? And that's, that is, I was, I felt very alone and isolated, even though I had a support system, even though I had my husband and my, my mom there, it felt like I was bearing the mental load of caring for everyone else. And no one was being proactive and intentional about caring for me in the same way that I was being proactive and intentional about caring for everyone else. And that felt very vulnerable, um, a very vulnerable place to be in. So part of that was me, you know, taking initiative <laughs> with the people around me, you know, my husband and my mom and, 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 you know, asking for things, but it also, you know, lit a fire in me of like, no, I need to proactively be taking care of myself. Like there, there needs to be, you know, intentionality behind this in the same mm-hmm. way that I put intentionality into caring for everyone else. Otherwise, this is not, this is not going to work. I can't live on the floor of a closet. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> so I just talked a lot. I don't think it was answering any question you had, but. No, <laughs> but actually I wanted to. I, I think maybe saying like, I don't have it all together and I haven't always had it all together. It was maybe. Right. And I wanted to, I wanted to apologize to you because like, that is just like my own assumption. I, I've mm-hmm. never like met you in person or, or chatted with you before, but like, I guess, um, you know, being a mother, like it's, it's understood like how difficult it can be. And Mm -hmm. so just to hear the way that you were describing, um, these different things that you're even trying to, to employ Mm -hmm. with your kids just showed that you have already had those struggles and you Mm -hmm. have already met, um, you have already met those challenges and not to say that you're not going to have challenges in the future, but that I just wanted to encourage you that like, that is that that is inspiring to know like i'm trying to do the same stuff with my kids you know and and that really resonates with me like being on the floor in your closet like i think all of us moms have been there like your own proverbial closet whatever that is yeah. um but yeah i mean you you saw what i was saying i guess so yeah yeah mm-hmm. i see you and i hear you um yeah i just wanted to say you know for all Again, it, it depends on the moment, right? And I think that's true for all of yeah, us. Yeah, there, there are times where you know we feel put together, and we have that space, and I am in a healthy place right now. I'll, I'll say that, right? And I'm I'm proud of that. I'm proud of creating healthy space for myself right now. But you know, there are still days and moments. <laughs> um, I don't think anyone is really at their best if you catch them at like you know three a.m. <laughs> they're being awake. <laughs> you know, I definitely I still have those moments in the day as well. Yeah. And I can't imagine anyone was in a good place in May 2020. Sure. Like we were all reeling and we were all feeling that pressure of just mm-hmm. like, what is life right now? It was such yeah. a, I mean, the pandemic has really thrown so many moms for a loop and there's mm-hmm. research about how burnt out women mm-hmm. are and especially mothers that are just mm-hmm. bearing the brunt of feeling exactly like you just said, Jessica, like, who's taking care of me and having that mental load of just making sure everyone is taken care of all the time, having three square meals a day. I mean, like (laughs) meal planning is like my my enemy (laughs) drives me nuts. I always like this child definitely wasn't fed today if I wasn't like making lunch. Yeah. But you know, like 
that's totally relatable. And that was a really difficult time. Um, man, how many times have I had like the crying in the closet moment (laughs) in the last two years? (laughs) So definitely understand. And I'd love to hear more about those support systems you mentioned, because I think, Mm -hmm. you know, um, as we think about moms and, and needing that care for ourselves, needing to make sure that we are cared for and having that self-care, how do we make sure we have those systems in place that's within our village or within our community? So you did mention you had that. So I wanted to learn more about that. And then also if there are gaps in that village, like where do you want to see growth? Yeah. Um, I think, so, you know, first and foremost, like I do have a partner who's very supportive and who has, you know, flexibility in his work. And I know that's a privilege that not everyone has. So, you know, that's, you know, a lifeline I have that's really, really helpful. I do have my mother who was very helpful when we lived with her, was very helpful for probably about nine or 10 months after we moved out and watching and watching my sons. And then, you know, she got vaccinated and like things opened up and she's like, okay, I need to travel more. So I can't watch your son anymore. <laughs> I can't wait to watch your side. I'm retired. I'm going to start living my life. So. She is still very emotionally helpful and there if, you know, the kids get sick or whatever, but less so now that she's traveling the world. Um, I would say that during the pandemic, yeah, I think what I'll say is, I think is also true of moms when we talk about village and community and whatnot. One thing that was true of me and and I don't know if of you as well, like I felt all this pressure to, I was like, okay, to care for myself. I also need to be, you know, like having friends and community and whatnot. And like, I don't know where to like fit that into my life right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause then there's this pressure of like, Oh, do I have to go out? Do I have to plan all these dates? Do I have to like do mommy and me groups? Do I have to, you know, like meet people? Like that can be a lot of pressure too. When you, you know, barely have two brain cells to rub together to like make a meal for yourself or take a shower. Right. I don't (laughs) want to understate the challenges of having young children. Um, So sometimes, yeah, it can feel like, and for me, it felt like a burden of like, I need to somehow make community for us too. you know, being people of faith, we had traditional, been a part of a church community that was really important to us and then we were displaced and moved and we didn't have that still don't have it um so there was like this pressure of like okay I don't want to also in a pandemic figure out how to you know plug into a church yeah. right now um so I will say like one thing that was very real to me was a text thread I had with two of my girlfriends <laughs> during the pandemic and it is still like it like the pandemic has renewed our texting relationship and it's been like a lifeline sometimes of just like you know there's a times where I just need to like I don't have time to like go out for lunch with you or you know go out to eat with you but just venting about how annoying <laughs> you know something is my partner is or like a ridiculous thing my kid is doing right now you know just having a space where you know my two friends who are also moms of young children could also you know vent about that that was a really manageable way for me to be still connected to community Mm -hmm. and and something that was very just bite-sized for me of like okay at least I'm not completely alone right now even though you know I don't really have much of a social life at least I have some like one lifeline here Mm -hmm. um, of being able to process these things or or have somewhere where you know people are holding space for me. Mm. Um, so that's one thing. I will say that things since, you know, um, things have opened up more like actually, <laughs> yeah, like once a month going um, on a walk with my girlfriend or things like that. That's that's really helpful. Um, I would say that, yeah, I don't think I'm doing it perfectly, which is why I don't have a ton of answers for you. I don't think my village is quite where it is 
where I would like it to be yet because we're still Mm. in this really weird limbo phase. Um, We moved back to Los Angeles, which is where we had community, you know, 10 years ago. So in theory, there are people here, but that I still haven't, we haven't completely opened up to, you know, seeing people, um, seeing everyone at least. And we're still, you know, slowly reconnecting with people. So I hope to get it to a place. Oh, I'm, well, one of my friends, like once a month we have dinner with her and her family. So that's like, just, I think rhythms is helpful. Mm. That was, that was the thing I realized too, of, you know, it's a lot of effort to like text someone out of the blue and be like, Hey, can you, (laughs) can you, um, you know, hang out when you have free. So for me and my girlfriend to say like, okay, the first week of every month, let's just have have families together for dinner. And as things get closer, if we want to change it, then that's fine. But setting that rhythm in place is just helpful so that we don't have to like, be like, oh, I haven't called so-and-so in so long. You know, I have another um, friend who I would always call when I was like driving, <laughs> like on a Friday when I'm driving and I knew that she was free at that time. It's like, okay, if I can like schedule it in of like, you know, once a week when I'm driving to this place, I'm going to call this person. Then I don't have to think about it and be like, hey, are you free? And trying to line mm-hmm. schedules, which is really difficult to do. So um, yeah, rhythms is helpful. Those are two really good ones, right? (laughs) Like, I love the idea of like the bite size connection because I always like overwhelm myself with the idea of like, if I don't schedule something with someone, like maybe they will think that I don't like care or want to spend time with them. But like having three kids, it's a lot of scheduling just on its own. But like the idea of the bite size, just texting the people that you care about and like clicking in with them and being able to be open. Like, that's so awesome that you have that. that little like space for you like in the whole grand scheme of everything but then also the the rhythms like I saw that that resonated with Maria as well like you need those where you don't have to like you don't have to give it extra thought right yeah yeah the rhythms are so important and that's something I'm just starting to do like you know what I'm just gonna throw this on the calendar and make it a recurring monthly meeting mm-hmm. and therefore <laughs> we will get coffee every first Friday of the month mm-hmm. or We'll have a virtual lunch date every first Wednesday of the month, which is two things I just did with some friends. And that really helps me just to like have something on the calendar. Otherwise, it will just fly out of my mind. Mm-hmm. So I, I love this practical advice. I think it's so important. And even just like the flexibility of being spontaneous. I think that's sometimes what I need because I will have nothing planned for the weekend. And then someone will reach out. And I'm like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> That also helps for me, but I, I would say one thing that I've learned too is to be mindful, you know, with my mom friends of like, yeah, it's difficult for all of us, but we're all wired very differently. Right. So right. for me, like it's much easier actually to schedule a phone call or have a phone call than like a really long text thread with someone. But, you know, one of my good friends is like, yeah, phone calls stress me. I don't like talking about them. <laughs> like it just stresses me out. So, you know, me, you know, contacting, texting her every now and then said like, hey, are you, when are you free for a phone call? Like that, she would never respond because she's like, I never want to get on the phone. <laughs> 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 phone calls. So I was like, okay, yeah, we can text. It's fine. I can, I can bend in that way. But to your point too, Maria, like, you know, there's some people that are like, yes, give me the spontaneous, like hang out and invite. And there are other people that are like, no, that's stressful for me. Never. Four weeks in advance. I know I actually really miss no I don't really miss this but before kids kids, we were just so flexible obviously everyone's so flexible before kids but when we when we first met Kyle and Bethany Mm -hmm. uh, my partner and I um you guys had two kids and we were like always 
hanging out of your house. Kids went to bed. We were hanging out, you know, like playing games. And I miss that. Like, I miss being able to just be spontaneous and come over. And we did it a little bit when Rona was, like, little enough where he could just fall asleep in the car seat and just put him in a corner. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so different now with bedtime routines. (laughs) I feel like that ties into what both of you guys are saying. Like, we were in um, such a weird state, like, such a weird time where none of our friends had any kids and we had two. And so... Mm -hmm. It was so incredible to have like Maria as a friend where she was just meeting us where we were at. So I feel like that ties back to what you were saying, Jessica, about, um, you know, you have to bend a little bit for your friends, but also knowing like the space that you're comfortable sharing with yourself of yourself and like bending, but also finding that like what's your comfortability mm-hmm. with within your village mm-hmm. Um it's hard to not want it all, right? Like all at the yeah. same time. You want to have, you want to be plugged into a church. You want to be like volunteering. You also want to be like, you know, a strong work life, uh, a strong home balance, and all this stuff. Um, but to know, like, we can have it, but we need to be like more protective of like those different boundaries and knowing those boundaries. Mm-hmm. More intentional. And here's a PSA for all of you out there listening that have that don't have kids and or maybe you're single, go hang out with your friends with kids. Go to their house after bedtime because they need social interaction too. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> totally true. We or can or, we or maybe they don't want you coming to their house late at night. <laughs> yeah. Maria saying, PSA, I want more people to come hang out with me. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I have board games. <laughs> we could play Catan. Oh my gosh. But I think this is a great conversation because it it's so applicable. So I really hope that, you know, people listening can understand like how can I make these rhythms happen or or how can I identify like what works best for me and my friends so you can make those connections happen. So Jessica, can you tell us about some motherhood wins that you've had lately? Motherhood wins. Um, okay, so I I haven't fact-checked this on the internet, but you know, there's this um quote that is attributed to Nora Roberts, who's a writer that, you know, a mentor of mine told me that was helpful because I wasn't feeling like I was having any wins, right? I felt like, you know. Being a working mom, it felt for a long time like I was giving less of myself to both (laughs) things. You know, I wasn't like giving 100% at work and I wasn't giving 100% in my home life. And overall, I just felt like, like I'm just generally doing a bad job. Um, Yeah. And one of the things that images she shared with me that was helpful was this uh, quote that supposedly Nora Roberts said that talked about how to balance, um, you know, writing and having kids and whatnot. And she uses image of glass balls and plastic balls. And I've shared this with you, Maria, before. Um, but essentially, she said, you know, there's you're being a working mom is like having a bunch of balls in the air. And balancing it means realizing that some balls are glass and some balls are plastic. Some balls you mm. can drop and it's going to be fine. Um, some balls are probably more important not to drop. And it's not like work or home or whatever, or motherhood or whatever, um, you know, areas of your life you have outside of that. It's not like any one of them is like all glass balls or all plastic balls. There's a mix in both of them, right? You know, there's work, there's some deadlines where it's like, I really not really cannot drop that. And there's some things like that was a soft deadline. There's no problem with me, you know, 
signing offline and dealing with that on Monday. Um, at home, same thing, right? Like, you know, some things are plastic balls. A home cooked meal on the table every evening—that's a plastic ball. That, that that's like that's a <laughs> desire, an intention, a really well intentioned thought, but just not going to happen every single night, right? So that's a that's a plastic ball. Spending, like giving my kids attention every day, like unfocused. I mean, sorry, very focused, undistracted. You know, technology down, no phone, no TV in the background or whatever. Attention, even for like 15, 20 minutes a day. That is what I decided was a glass ball. Right, I can't, I can't drop that. Um, so I think after having that image given to me, it, it helped me really refine what I even define as a win. Right, like it, my from before it used to be a win is crossing off everything on my checklist, which is just crazy making because you're never going to because life happens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now it's like, okay, there's like three things I want to do every single day. Like, again, like unfocused attention to my kids. Okay. Not <laughs> yelling at my, <laughs> my uh, four-year-old who just kicked me, right? Like, you know, just like not the non-reactive thing, right? Like I did not exactly. blow up at my child's day. That's a win. And, and it sounds like a really low bar, but like those little things like to our kids um, or, you know, even to work the other, the other week, it was just like a week at work. And I, and then, you know, my youngest son got sick on Thursday and I'm like in a meeting, he literally like throw up, throws up on me, like in the middle of this meeting. And in all these things that was like, my list is not going to get done this week. Um, work-wise. And even looking at work, I was like, but there's some things that I was really proud of this week. Like I was very intentional in my meetings with, you know, my direct reports and I made my, I listened to them. I made myself available to them. I think they felt supported and seen that's a win. Even if I had like 10 things not crossed off my list. Right. Um, and I, and I had to, I wrote it on my whiteboard. You'll see behind me right now, like the, you know, my whiteboard of like, I was a focused and intentional leader when it mattered this week. Mm. I had to write that up because I was feeling, I was feeling shame. I do the same thing in, in, in my home life. Right. Like there are times where like, yeah, it's just like a straight up madhouse around here. And the kids are like screaming and like me and my husband are like pulling out our hair and whatever. And it's like, I was present to my child today. Like that, mm. that's a win. Um, I would say the other day, my four-year-old said something that we say to him all the time, but just hearing him say it to me, just really, it felt like a win to me of like, this is sinking in. And he said, you know, mommy, there's nothing you can do that would ever make me stop loving you. Um, which is oh. so sweet. <laughs> Don't give him too much credit. I say that to him all the time, but like, that's, that's, <laughs> But that's a win that he that mm-hmm. he's internalized that enough that that yeah, when he's trying right. to be empathetic to me and he's you know he's a very sweet affectionate kid, um, so it's not out of the norm. But the fact that he like repeated that verbatim, I was like, look, in some ways my work is done if he can hold on to this for the rest of his life. If that's the only thing he pulls out of you know my parenting, that there's nothing he can do, um, you know, that would make me stop loving him, and that and that that's like you know somehow in his foundation as a person and 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 you know how secure he is in his own identity. Um, mm. That's a win. And that didn't, that just comes from me saying it to him all the time, that there's not like a ton of, you know, a ton of uh, really hard science that goes into that. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's really claiming the small wins and, and not, um, not diminishing them, right? Like that's a really like to take time and to set apart like that one statement, like that's a really profound and, and meaningful thing in his life and that I'm doing as a mother. And I got to claim that. And I will, because Maria heard a story with that son, with that same son, where I like kicked him because oh he, he 
told me to. Anyway, <laughs> so we won't get into that story right now, but like, you know, I had mixed feelings about how I handled that situation <laughs> later on. <laughs> but you know, I'm gonna claim the win. Which where he, he feels really securely loved, and you know what? I'm just I'm just gonna claim that. I love. Oh gosh, Nico cracks me up. He's the best, and I definitely think we need to have an episode that's all Nico stories. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's so important. Like, what an incredible mindset shift. Like, what are those really important things that you don't want to drop and that are wins to you? I think that's something I really want to apply for myself. And the fact that that he verbalized, you know, um, a message that you've been telling him for so long of how much you love him and nothing can ever change that. Like, that's so beautiful. And I'm like, I got to tell it to Ronan as soon as I walk out the store. <laughs> you know, and I'll say it's, it's coming out of necessity because Nico, you know, he's hilarious. He's a difficult child. He's, he's, he's explosive in his anger. He's violent in his anger. You know, there's as, as affection. He's just a feeler. He's like a hundred percent feeler. Right. So he feels, um, yeah, he feels joy really intensely. He feels anger really intensely. And that's almost been something I've had to say to him almost to convince myself, right? Like other times, like he kicked me in the sternum. Okay. I still love him. I still love him. You know, like through, through grit and So yeah, it's, 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 one that has, you know, it's important for him, but also important for me to remind myself as well, you know, when there are times where he's literally driving me crazy. He is so blessed to have you as his mother. Thank you. And you can, <laughs> yes, receive that, please receive that. I love that you write, you write it on your board as a reminder, because yes, that, that whole idea of the glass balls and the plastic balls, I'm going to remember that forever right now. Like, I'm just like, I'm just thinking about all of that right now and just kind of like taking it in. Um, that's so important for moms to have that kind of imagery because we have such long to-do lists all the time and that you like, you're like, I'm going to write this down so that I know like I have, I'm enough right now. Like you, you, I need to get a whiteboard. <laughs> just like, <laughs> this is why I said Jessica's one of my mom mentors. <laughs> yeah, it's like an application. Everyone buy a whiteboard. <laughs> <laughs> she had no idea we're like <laughs> you're a self-help person right now <laughs> like, no, we're gonna I interview you. Long wisdom that was also shared with me um <laughs> so yes I'm happy happy that you're receiving such a gift okay so our last question which we always ask is what is something creative that you do and what's one of your creative outlets ah so yeah I I am a writer and I'll just say it that like that, but I'm not a writer in this season of my life. So that's something that, you know, you know, I've been challenged to think about more of how do I make space for that or what does that look like in this season of my life? And it's probably, you know, a whole nother topic for another <laughs> podcast of why that's hard, an identity that's hard for me to claim right now um, in this season of my life. But yes, I will just put out that like I, I like to write. And not only awesome. like write, but also like the calligraphy you do is so gorgeous. Like, can you just show us your whiteboard? I just want <laughs> Bethany to see. <laughs> I can see. I can. I know it's like a hot mess right now. <laughs> I love that you yeah, call that I a hot mess. Like I'm like, please don't look behind me. <laughs> I'm trying to create like posts for the height account. And I'm like, Bethany, my handwriting, I just can't. <laughs> 
That's okay. You have a lot of other uh, creative gifts. Right. That's just you can weld something. Just take a picture of something that you weld. (laughs) Is this this is like? Did you bring this up to me? Is this the second time this is being? The second time I brought it up to you. Yeah. Oh yes. Yes. I know you have a lot of strengths, but I just am most impressed by the fact that you like put a mask on and can weld things. (laughs) It's been a couple of years, like literally a decade since I welded anything, but I appreciate that. Because a lot of people write. Not a lot of people weld, but that's Yeah, that's not common. (laughs) I gotta get back into that. It's a good craft to have in your back pocket. (laughs) It's because we were at work, we were talking about, we had an icebreaker, we were talking about like, what is your apocalypse skill that you would bring to the table? (laughs) What would you bring to the island, essentially? (laughs) And Maria would build us a structure so long as we had metal and fire. Yeah, I would build the shelters. <laughs> that would be your next icebreaker question on the podcast. <laughs> I know. I want to have you back to talk about like owning your writing identity. And maybe we can touch back on the apocalyptic icebreaker. What was yours, if you don't mind my asking? Uh, I also like to cook. So I said, if, if someone else, another someone else on our team said that they could hunt, and I said, okay, if they hunted the animal, I would cook the animal. Jessica's an amazing cook. I've gotten to eat her food at many staff retreats. <laughs> Thank you. I will say, yeah, that's a, a little bit of the more manageable way that I can be a, a creative is like mm-hmm. in meal planning, but it's completely lost on toddlers. Like they just don't. Like, you know, half the time I spend all this energy. It's so unmotivating. You know, I want like, a beautiful <laughs> meal. It's like plated perfectly. It's like attuned to what supposedly they like and whatnot. And like, you know, my four-year-old will just not be in the mood. My two-year-old will be throwing things on the ground. And then the next day, Nico will be like, you know, thank you so much for this meal, mommy. It's delicious. And I'm like, well, that's a Costco lasagna. I put zero effort into <laughs> But I'm glad you like it. He's like, it's delicious. I'm like, all right. There's nothing more personally offensive than your child not liking the meal you labored over. (laughs) So yeah, I get that. They're the best food critics ever. (laughs) To be fair, Costco lasagnas are pretty good. So I couldn't. Costco's food is just always surprisingly so good. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been such a wonderful conversation. I feel like we both got so much out of it of just ways that we can shift our mindset so that we can have, you know, more mom wins and less shame and just throwing that out the window, how we can create better support systems for ourselves and really just connect with other moms and and people in our lives that can just be a sounding board for us because it's so Mm -hmm. important to have that and self-care. You've taught us so much, Jessica. (laughs) well what you guys are doing is so important too of just creating this space and you know like you said like you explained to me when you invited me onto the podcast of just creating space to have more fuller thoughts around these things that we you know that moms think about as they're doing the laundry or washing dishes or taking (laughs) care of their kids but don't really have the space to dialogue um, with other moms about so thank you so much for creating this space it's really important our pleasure (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, this has been an episode of Shut Up Mom by Hythe Collective. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and TikTok. We're so glad you made it here with us today. Bye, everyone. Bye. (laughs) Bye. This has been Shut Up Mom, a Hythe production. Find us on Instagram and TikTok at Hythe Collective. Music by Honeyyard.